Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, welcome back to In The Pink with Bose and me, Natalie Pinkham. Great to have your company. Thanks for your feedback on Liam Cunningham, a star of the HBO epic fantasy series, Game of Thrones, and a massive Formula One fan. So great to get his perspective on the sport. And on that theme, we've got a bit of a bumper week when it comes to motorsport, because my next guest is someone truly exceptional. Now, I know I bang on about wishing I could have hours talking to every one of my guests, but couldn't be more true when it comes to this guy. He was born two months premature and as a result has cerebral palsy. He has dealt with that condition with incredible tenacity and just an incredible outlook and attitude on what can be achieved with a disability. He also has a multiple world champion for a big brother. I am, of course, talking about Nicholas Hamilton. Now, he's open and honest and kind and endearing. And I thought all those things about him before I did the podcast, but just chatting to him for an hour confirmed that all the more to me. He really is a terrific guy uh, who I know Lewis is incredibly proud of, as are his parents, Anthony and Linda. Now, he talks about some of the maybe slightly unconventional parenting skills as he grew up. Um, some of the points he made you may feel a bit uncomfortable about, but it's worth bearing in mind that the end justifies the means because he has turned out incredibly well. And you have to say that those fairly tough parenting skills uh, have been a major cause of that. So anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, He mentions at one point about them having a policy whereby when he fell over as a kid, they didn't pick him up. They left him to pick himself up. Now, obviously, this goes against every instinct of a parent. Uh, I know I'm way too much of a softie to be able to do that, Um, particularly if a child has a disability. But as I say, he is robust good-humoured, kind, ambitious, tenacious, all the things that you would hope for for your child. Anyway, I will stop rambling because it is so much more important to hear from him. So here he is, Nicholas Hamilton. 
Well, listen, lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us in these right, crazy times. Um, have you been coping? Yeah, I've done all right, to be fair. I've um, been very fortunate. I've uh, been spending most of my, my time uh, at my girlfriend's house, um, eating all of their food and uh, yeah, being, being around them, uh, which is nice. So it's all about being around people you want to be around. And uh, yeah, kept safe. I haven't actually been out for about two and a half weeks. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm trying to really stay regimented because uh, the last thing I want is this this virus. And if I can help, um, you know, stay off the back of the NHS, then I think it helps everybody. So uh, yeah, trying to stay regimented and looking after myself. And am I right in thinking that you are at higher risk having cerebral palsy? Uh, no, um, I wouldn't say I'm any any higher than anybody else. Um, I don't have any. Uh, breathing problems or anything that there's nothing like that that links to my condition my condition is literally just physical it's just just my legs so um so yeah i'm basically treated like an able-bodied person in this respect um so yeah i mean um my immune system isn't any any worse or um any more effective than anybody else's so um yeah pretty much normal well that is definitely a relief because i think being in the higher category definitely creates a lot more anxiety and stress i know my my mother-in-law is in the very high risk category because she got cancer and she just has these waves of anxiety and it's kind of weird because she should be able to control that and we try to help her with it but you can't like you you demons start creeping in don't they um tell me then specifically about your condition because because i i read that there, there are various elements um versions of it essentially cerebral palsy is a movement disorder but tell us um how it directly affects you yeah so um <clears throat> my condition was was uh, created from me being born too much premature um so it was a lack of oxygen to the brain um right or left side i actually don't know um which basically causes brain damage um so then that affects the the movement of my legs is, is there a lot of back is there a lot of background sound do you, do you want me to leave a little bit that's okay though don't worry okay um so uh <clears throat> Yeah, I think Sophie's just making some food. Um, Lovely. But, uh, <laughs> what is she rustling um, up? Yeah, what are you rustling up? Um, a vegan chicken Caesar salad. Vegan chicken Caesar salad. <clears throat> Great. Wouldn't mind a bit of that. I'll just, I'll be over I'm, in five. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. Vegan, so. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, brain damage and uh, just affected the movement of my legs. So initially when I was, was born, I was told I wouldn't be able to walk and um, that my right eye would be severely um, affected and would deteriorate as I got older. So I was born with a, with a, squint, a squint and um, yeah, sort of struggled to understand my condition and, and what I could and what I couldn't do. Um, so the easy movements from an able-bodied person wasn't possible for me. Um, I couldn't stand up. I couldn't stand up straight. I was always standing on, on my tiptoes, my legs were always bent, um, and I was always sort of fighting the spasticity in my muscles, which is what spastic diplegia is all about, which is my form of cerebral palsy. Um, so cerebral palsy affects a load of people in loads of different ways. You can have um, uh, hemiplegia, which is down one side, diplegia, which is um, two, uh, two limbs, um, and yeah, 
unfortunately my my limbs are are my legs that are affected but everything else from um my torso upwards um is pretty much you know perfect and when did your parents first notice that there may be a problem um but for most uh, able-bodied children um you know they go through a, a phase where they they start crawling then they start learning to walk and stand up and and stuff and um for me i i wasn't actually developing um when i tried to crawl i wasn't using alternate legs um i was actually dragging my legs behind me which was probably the first sign that they realized that there might be something wrong in in my development and had they been um, warned that that, that 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 could happen given what they knew given that you were premature had they been warned that this could be a developmental problem um, I actually don't know. You probably have to speak to them, but I'm guessing the answer is no. And, you know, there is a, there is a lot of premature babies <clears throat> um, that don't have any issues. You know, they're, they're fortunate enough to, um, you know, not have any re- reoccurring issues or any problems you know, growing up. And so I think they, they took me home after me being discharged and, and, you know, thinking that everything's okay with their newborn um and it was only yeah when they get to this sort of phase where their kid is sort of you know not progressing not moving forward and struggling with the the basics um mm. where they almost got to go back to the drawing board and 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 think how the hell do we uh you know make a a good life for our son when we actually have no idea what he is going to be struggling with or um or you know what's going to improve him yeah so do you think it's a lot better now is it a case of that you know this was quite a long time ago in in terms of development in science and the understanding of cerebral palsy do you think it's better now um well one thing um which is all part of part of my story i I very rarely look into the condition, um, into the science of it, into what people are saying about it. Um, I keep myself very separated from um, cerebral palsy and disability as a whole, and I've always done that. Um, And that, for me, was always a way of um, helping me overcome it by surrounding myself with able-bodied people and... um, not because I was embarrassed about my condition, but more um, because if I surround myself with a an able-bodied mindset, um, then uh, it would help me overcome the condition as a fool. So I haven't actually t- taken any time to study the condition and be like, right, you know, um, when I was a kid, people were seeing it this way, or um, and now, you know, it's it's improved. <clears throat> um, I think you know for me my my knowledge about cerebral palsy is purely off of my own um understanding and of my own experiences but i feel that um i've been through enough and and a lot in terms of uh making a load of mistakes figuring out what's best for me i've actually had no help physically to overcome any obstacles um to a point where um, I feel like I could, I could uh, advise anybody to um, overcome their condition if they're struggling with it. So 
all I know now is that <clears throat> there's different um, procedures, operating operation procedures. Uh, when I was a kid and I was four years old, I had a life-changing operation, um, which was a tendon release. Um, so it released the, the tendons in the back of my hamstrings, back of my ankles and my groin muscle or my groin area. Um, and that was because when I was trying to walk and trying to stand up, I couldn't, um, I couldn't put my heels down first. I was always walk, walking or trying to walk on my tiptoes and my legs were bent. So if you were to get up now, Nat, really, and try and <laughs> walk on your tiptoes and to... then at the same time. So get on your tiptoes and do what? Get on your tip, on your walk on your tiptoes and and have and bend your knees at the same time. Bend your knees, then walk on your tiptoes and and have no um no relaxed muscle basically at the same time. It's quite difficult for a kid. You properly tense everything up, don't you? Yeah. So does everything go into spasm when you do that? Then I bet that's painful very quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, but it obviously it just affects your affects your whole skeleton. So it's it's like it's like a domino effect. So you're you're trying to, uh, you know, a kid that's trying to run, for example, with all of this tension and spasticity in his muscles, whilst trying to balance, but not on his foot. He's trying to balance just on his tiptoes, with you know, with bent legs. Um, that's really difficult. So. I had a, uh, an operation when I was four for, the, for this tendon release, which now allowed me to put my heels down first um, and actually straighten my, my legs. Um, and I believe now, um, and, and, and through the years, there's people that have been telling me, oh, maybe you should have another operation. Um, things like um, Botox was an option um, where I don't, as I said, I don't really look into it, but I think they they inject <clears throat> they inject your legs or your muscles in your legs with, with with Botox, and it releases that muscle for six months. So you feel better and you probably walk better. Um, but then after six months, you just deteriorate again. And I was like, "Well, what's the point of that?" So I didn't do that. <clears throat> and then um, I went to the Mayo Clinic in um, America. And actually, Ron Dennis, um, big shout out to Ron on this one. Um, he was the reason why I went out there. <clears throat> he actually supported my treatment to go and get an MRI scan um, and go into the, the detail of my condition a little bit more. Um, but the Americans, they're a bit uh, over the top. And they decided the only way to improve me was to break both of my femurs um, and then um, reset them in a way that would then um, straighten my legs more um, and I turned around and said well that doesn't my condition doesn't really affect me enough for me to be able to make that sort of judgment and decision so I learned a lot in that say in that in that scenario but I didn't take that um, but Just now they have... how old were you then um, I would have been 2000 and I would have been about 15, uh, 14. 14. Yeah, 14. That's a big call for a 14-year-old to make, isn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and <clears throat> you know, all the way through my, my life, I've been um, trying to make sure that my condition doesn't affect me. So I would always try and play football and 
I struggled to kick a ball, but I used to love playing football or I would always love to play rugby and, you know, because even though I was always running slow or whatever, um, I was never afraid of falling over and getting trampled on. So I, <clears throat> I just tried to keep myself mobile and um, it didn't really matter if people were bullying me about it or anything like that. It's something that I knew that I needed to... Um, to do for myself well first of all I've, I've completely like poo-pooed your structure I'm sure you had a load of questions you had to ask me and I'd answer them but I'm just going off on one as always I, <laughs> um, I love it but um yeah I mean kids kids are brutal aren't they so um so they're they always, there's always a, a chance for you get, getting bullied. And I was in a, when I finished primary school, I went into a, went into a wheelchair for secondary school um, because there was a lot of walking to do and, you know, carrying the heavy books on your back, on, on, on your back um, every day, walking from, you know, the science block to the design technology block and to the English block. And having to be there on time is something I never had to deal with when I was in primary school because you're all in one place for all of your lessons. Um, and so I went into a wheelchair. I thought it was a really good idea. Um, and through that period of time of sort of being in a wheelchair, I was you know, bullied in that period of time with people pulling me backwards and you know, leaving me there laughing, laughing and walking off, all that sort of stuff. And, and, um, and yeah, and I, I just knew in myself that... <clears throat> the only way to, you know, continue to, to get better is to learn myself, learn everything on my own. And, um, but yeah, to answer your last question was, <clears throat> there's now SDR, which is um, an operation that cuts the, um, the nerves in the spine um, that then releases the spasticity of the muscles. Um, so you're less tense and stressed I would say when walking um, and uh, initially when I was a, a kid doing your operation they only operated on you know young young people because it's good to get it early and then through the growth spurt um, you know they don't tighten up again um, whereas this SDR you can actually it can actually be operated on people that are you know 50 odd so um, it's still an option for me if I actually wanted to look at it. Um, and I actually was thinking about it um, like a couple of months ago. Uh, but I said, what uh, my answer was, well, what if um, I was to do it and then not be able to race my car? I think that'd be the worst thing ever. So um, Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to your, your racing career soon. But um, j just to go back to the bullying thing, because it just, you know, riles me and I'm sure it does. Anyone, many other people listening how, how did you deal with it at the time and were you I mean you're clearly a very strong person and, and I love the fact that it was a conscious decision of yours growing up not to let your condition define you um, hopefully you've been able to channel all that negative energy of the bullying to something positive but god that can't have been easy yeah, I mean, well, firstly, um, my parents, my parents are, um, they're hard nuts. Um, they, uh, especially my dad, for example, he's uh, explaining him like a, a chocolate fondant um, 
hard on the outside, soft in the middle type of character. And he, um, he, for him, <clears throat> you know, he never wanted me to struggle and always wanted me to, to fight my own battles. And um, he, he would never t- give me the easy, easy option or the easy route. Um, and the same with my mum, really. If I sort of fell over, my mum, which, which is kudos to them, because if, you're, if your disabled son falls over and he's sort of hurt himself, my mum actually wouldn't come running to pick me up. She would almost let me pick myself up and understand why I fell over, really. Um, and so it was already building my mental strength up around my condition um, to where my mum was always like, Nick stop falling over Nick you know keep your legs straight and keep doing this and keep doing that and so I had all of this going on that bullying when it happened was it was like small fry in comparison um and uh it was actually my brother that I went to when I first started struggling you know thinking you know Lewis what do I do um you know got these kids now just taking the mick out of me um, being in my wheelchair and and he his answer was that I just need to to continue to be myself and um, he he said well people are laughing at this this wheelchair that you're in for example why don't we make it cool and do some cool things in it so um, he uh, taught me how to like do wheelies and stuff in the wheelchair and I almost became like a uh, like a Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk, the skateboarder. I sort of became that in my wheelchair. I started like jumping stairs and stuff and uh, trying to be cool in that way. Um, and that sort of just helped me through it. But then I just, I, I, I realized that, you know, the, these bullies, they're just, they're just bullies. They're not really anybody that you should sort of worry about. Um, and they're not going to be in my life forever. Um, so it's just how you, you sort of, you sort of deal with it. Um, but for me, it was a, a character building moment. So, you know, I'm glad I went through it. Amazing. Um, sounds like your mum had a real shift. You mentioned to me earlier that um, there was a time where she, she blamed herself for your condition, that if there's something she could have done differently in her pregnancy. It sounds like she's been on a journey of her own to be able, because, God, she must have had to fight every instinct in her not to rush and pick you up. You do that with an able-bodied kid, let alone, mm. you know, and it, ugh, that must have been tough. So, so she's gone on her own journey through all of this. 100% you know um my mum is um she's like an unsung hero she you know you don't know much about her she keeps she keeps herself to herself um and even to the point where I, I've never spoken to her about oh mum you know how was it bringing me up and what did you do what did you struggle with and and stuff she she never complained once she just got on with it and and made me feel um, so secure in everything that um, if my mum if my mum was strong enough I would feel strong enough in everything that I did and um, for her to I think she didn't tell me it's when I was older she told me that she sort of blamed herself for for my condition um, which obviously isn't her fault at all in the slightest um, it's just one of those things mm. um, you know I love my mum to bits she she's like my my left arm if I didn't have her I, I don't know where where I would have been by now um but yeah you she she deserves she deserves um someone to at least 
ask her those questions because she's, um, you know, I'm just a, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling the story from my side, but if it wasn't for her and for my dad and their mental strength, um, you know, I wouldn't be as strong as I am today. So I think my mum has a, a totally different outlook um, or story to tell, uh, but she's, she's, very, uh, she's very shy when it comes to, to talking like that. She's a lovely woman, that's for sure. Um, obviously, yeah. quite a big age gap between you and Lewis. Um, how did it work in terms of growing up? Because a, a lot of attention was having to shift onto his career from a very young age, but th- th- obviously a lot to deal with with you. So were you living together um, full time as brothers or because your half brothers, was he splitting his time with his mum? Mm-hmm. How did it work? No, so, um, so yeah, we are, we are half brothers. Um, but from all I remember is Lewis lived with me and my mum and our dad. So it was us four in the house. Um, and that was how it always was. Um, you know, Lewis is, what, nearly eight years older than me. Um, he acts eight years younger most of the time. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, he's eight years my older, or seven and a bit. And... Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> life wasn't meant to be about motorsport. We never planned to do motor, motor racing um, and we never planned to, to, to now be at the top of the food chain within motorsport. Um, but at the time I was growing up, it was um, to focus now on, on Lewis's career. It was all about him. And uh, I had no... Um, uh, jealousy I wasn't worried I, I, I was just I just was a part of the family and, and whatever my family were doing um, you know I would support um, and so there was no um, there was no bad blood there was nothing we just got on really well like a house on fire as always um, and it's just it just gets more difficult as you know time goes on we initially just ended up being or started out just being a, a normal black family wanting to race go-karts um and then it got to a point where we're now or lewis got more well known which then put the hamilton family in more of a spotlight so then you have to be careful what you say who you put yourself around um and then that you know has an effect on um you know what you do on a daily basis so it was never planned it just you know snowballed yeah i mean you say never planned but you you guys have got incredible tenacity application i wonder in a way whether the focus being on lewis as you said and just a genuine love between you two which by the way you can always see um there's just such a a, a natural i don't know energy between you two he like i just see his whole face change as soon as he sees you which is just Uh lovely he often praises you and credits you for sort of keeping his life in perspective. But I wonder in a way, with the focus being on him, whether that took the pressure off you in a way with your condition to like, to grow up on your own terms. Do you think that's fair? Uh, no, I mean, I was, never, I, was never under, I was never under pressure. I just had to, um, it, was, it was all to, to do it for myself really. You know, it's, it's um, my parents wanted the best for me. Um, and I'm sure you know, you being a parent yourself, Nat, that, you can only a parent can only wish something on for their for their child. It's actually up to their child to to make it happen, <clears throat> um, and their child has their own wishes <clears throat> that they would like to 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 do or focus on or dreams they want to focus on. And and um, at the time, it 
I wasn't all about overcoming my condition. Mm. My parents just wanted a, a life for me that, you know, wasn't that difficult considering that I was born already in a difficult situation. Um, it, was, it wasn't until I was, you know, 15 and I'd gone through all these bullies and situations and, and stuff where, you, you know, I explain it. <clears throat> when you get to 15, you, you sort of start growing into yourself. You, you know, start liking girls and wanting to go out to, with your mates. And, uh, you know, whether that's just on the street corner or you want to go to a, a party or something like that. And I was just struggling with the usual or normal things to do. And well, I made a decision. Of movement or in what yeah, yeah, because it was like, well, to, to bring Nick to a house party, mm. um, does it, does the house have a ramp for a start? And the answer is no. So then, okay, so then what do I do? So then it's, it's okay, so then I go into a house party and there's, you know, 50 people in there. Is there room for my wheelchair to sit in there? Probably not. Um, okay, so the only way for me to actually fit in with my, my group of friends is if I was to get rid of my wheelchair and be able-bodied or try and be able-bodied or, or try and overcome it. But it wasn't so I could just go out and go partying. It was because I, was, I just wanted to start fitting in and, and um, realise that my condition was, was pulling me back. And uh, so the only way I could do it was not through my parents telling me. It was actually just by me um, buckling it up and, you know, doing it myself. Amazing. Do you, um, you mentioned actually earlier about the squint that you developed in your eyes. So how much is your eye affected? How is your vision? <laughs> so um, my vision is fine. Um, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The easiest way to explain it is my, my right eye is there. I just don't use it. I just realize I don't use it. Um, I naturally use my, my left eye um, and realize that I only use my right eye when I want to look to the right. <laughs> um, but the vision in it is totally, totally fine and as, and as good as my left. 
um, it's, it's just a lazy eye and only lazy because I guess I don't use it. And when I was a kid, I, my parents put a, an eye patch <clears throat> on my left eye so that I could only use my right eye and try and strengthen it up. Um, but as you're a kid and you start growing up, you, you take it off and <laughs> you, can't you don't want to look like a pirate. So you take it off. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, it, it only became a problem when I wanted to start racing cars really through my, my eyesight and, and, and condition generally. But, um, my right eye, I don't even really notice. I have it. It's just, um, you only notice it more when I'm, when I'm tired or having a picture taken, you know, my, my, my eyes aren't always straight. Uh, or my left eye will be looking at you, but my right eye won't be. Um, I find it interesting that um, there are so many varying degrees of cerebral palsy. Um, I've got a friend who's got um, 11-year-old boys um, because it can it can happen when you have twins. One is severely affected and one is just every so often, like maybe when he gets more tired, you can see it in his walking. Um, mm -hmm. Is it something then when you were growing up that you thought other... Um, issues might start creeping in or did you know from quite an early age the extent of the disability um so put it this way i would say i'm very 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 fortunate <clears throat> because i am basically an able-bodied person from the inner workings of my body from my torso upwards um i don't have i'm not allergic to anything i don't have asthma i don't have any of these you know, problems that potentially could be linked to your condition. Um, you know, if I went to the doctors and they said, you know, do you, do you suffer from this? Do you suffer from that? Do you suffer from this? I would just tick it all off and say no, because I, I, I literally don't. The only thing I have is this, this physical disability with my, with my legs, um, but nothing else. So growing up, I didn't know the severity of it um, because in my head, it never stopped me from doing anything to it wasn't severe. It was just a bit of a pain, you know, because one day your legs would want to work. Um, and then the next day they don't. So you, you, you might be able to, to walk, you know, a couple of meters one day and then not be able to walk at all. Um, or, um, you know, you wake up in the morning and, and they feel super stiff and they don't want to do anything. Okay, time for Bose's handy tips about how we can all cope a bit better over the next few weeks and potentially months um, under lockdown. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? We just don't know how long this is going to last. And that lack of control over our own lives can let anxiety creep in. But hopefully, if we can all follow these little nuggets of advice, it may just help. Okay, first of all, take time for yourself to stay centred and sane. Number two, seize moments of calm. They may be few and far between, but they are out there. You just need to grab them with both hands. Number three, find your sanctuary away from the chaos. Now, if like me, your whole house is chaotic, then that might be hard. But there must be a little corner somewhere where you can take yourself off and just have a moment or two. Because remember, timeouts aren't just for kids. It's really important to take a little me time because it can go a long way. I know that sounds a bit selfish because I always feel guilty if I go off and read a book or listen to some music or have a bath, all three at the same time. But I think and hope that we all come back to our jobs 
in the house with the kids, with our family, as better mothers, better partners, more productive, if we have taken a bit of time out. Cabin fever is real. So one way to smash that oppressive feeling is to learn something new. Take up a new hobby, for example. Don't resist and fight the new norm. Embrace it. Shape it to suit you. For example, you could move rooms, change the layout at your home, create a new space dedicated to a new hobby. Make working for home work for you. Don't be afraid of the silence, if indeed it exists at any point during your day. It can be truly golden after all. Try to block out unhelpful noise and that will also reduce your anxiety. It's not where you work, it's how you work. So make it work for you with a little bit of help from Bose. Feel more, do more, be more with Bose. So so what are your pain levels on a day-to-day basis? Uh, I, don't have, I don't have pain in my legs as much anymore. Um, uh, and to be fair, most, most pain that I used to feel, I'm so used to it that I don't even know it's there anymore. Um, so I couldn't actually tell you. Um, one thing that is for sure is, is um, you know, my, my ribs. If my ribs aren't in, in place, then I can feel, I can feel um, it's almost like an aching pain constantly um, throughout. It's like someone pushing on your back with their knuckle, for let's say, constantly. Um, then, um, yeah, my legs-wise, I, I don't feel any pain. You only, they only start to ache when you walk long distances or um you know do do a lot of exercise or movement um but then it's just little silly things um you know like not picking up your feet and stubbing your toe and now you've cut your toe or you've cut this or you cut that and it just creates annoying um cuts and bruises that you don't really need yeah yeah so um let's talk about british touring cars (laughs) Yeah. I mean, quite incredible. I know that again, you don't want the your your condition to define you, but to be the mm-hmm. first disabled driver in British touring cars is phenomenal. Tell us about the process. Tell us about when you made the decision, because I remember you coming on the F1 show at Sky. Do you remember when you came into the mm-hmm. studio all those years mm-hmm. ago? Yeah. Talking about doing it, and tell us about the process of deciding that was your ambition getting your racing license, doing the training, modifying the car, just how much had to go into it? Uh, a lot. A lot went into it. Um, I, initially, um, you know, I, I didn't want... I Sorry, I always wanted to race. Always. As, much, as, as soon as I learned about the, the sport and watching my brother all these years, I wanted to race. And um, my dad actually gave me an opportunity when I was seven um, he got a little cadet car from a friend that he borrowed and, um, he said, right, Nick, this is, this is your time. We're going to take you to a, a car park where there's, there's nothing that you can hit. And, um, I had all Lewis's like gear on, um, Lewis was sponsored by McLaren at the time. So he wasn't in formula one. I was only seven years old. So, um, I would say he was probably at the top of the UK at this time, but sponsored by McLaren. So I had a, had a Lewis Hamilton van and everything. But instead of going racing for him, we were sort of going for me. So it was an exciting time. And um, 
you know, went to this car park. It was absolutely huge, especially when you're seven years old and you're, you're quite low down. Um, and my dad, there, there was a little ramp that went into the car park and um, my dad decided he wanted to do a little brake test. So he said, right, Nick, I'm just going to push you down. You know, left foot's brake, right foot's go, hit the brake pedal and get the car to stop. And I basically, uh, or I hardly stopped. Uh, it just sort of rolled to a rolled to a halt. So my dad was like, oh, it's good enough. So he pulled the engine starter and started me up. And he said, Nick, just go in a figure of eight, you know, turn in one direction, come back, turn another direction and, and keep going. So it was like the first time I've ever driven anything. And uh, I was sort of doing it. I was so, so happy in myself until um, I actually didn't come back round one time and ended up hitting this curb and disappearing down like a six foot drop. And, uh, and it was because I couldn't, I couldn't break, uh, which my dad would have noticed <laughs> if he had done the brake test properly. But um, it's because the, the, the brake pedal is so much harder or stiffer than the, the accelerator. And um, my legs weren't developed enough to be able to, to hit that brake pedal. So I ended up disappearing down this drop and I had six inches of water, but my engine was still running. Fortunately, I was, uh, you know, uh, the right way up and everything was still okay. But that was it. It was no, no racing for me. Um, was your mum there at the time? Yeah, yeah, mum ah. was there too. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, hair was all over the place. She was crying herself. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, so that, so that was my first time of like uh, experiencing motorsport. And that was it. It was like, done. We're not putting Nick into a race car. And, um, and then I just obviously kept following Lewis and I got massively into like gaming and sim gaming and all sorts of stuff. And, and all I was doing was racing games, racing games, racing games and long, long, long story short, I, I became UK number one on like sim gaming, which is now esports, but it wasn't esports back then. It was proper old school. Um, and then my dad, yeah, decided to put me in Clio Cup and, and stuff. I don't know how much detail you want me to go into that, but, um, it was, it was a, yeah, I never knew I'd ever be able to drive um, a road car, let alone a race car. So when my dad said, um, you're in the Clio Cup, uh, you know, it's a step down from British touring cars and I hadn't done karting or anything like that. And the first thing was being able to be strong enough to, to hit that brake pedal um, and, you know, and accelerate within, you know, tenths of a second. Um, so when I started training, um, my legs weren't strong enough to even push 20 kilos on a leg press. Um, so I didn't know how the hell I was gonna be able to push a brake pedal um, of a race car, even a clear cup car. And uh, yeah, long story short, I, I, I got to a point I could push 120 kilos with my left leg um, just before my first race. So I only had like two months to prepare. And um, was that just a lot of training in the gym, just trying to strengthen the legs? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just. It was just a lot of dedication. I, I, it's always what I wanted to do, and my dad finally gave me the opportunity to. So um, I didn't want to waste it. Um, but my dad didn't give me any practice or testing or anything. So I just pretty much went into my first race, um, not knowing anything. And uh, and um, yeah, I mean to to get my race license, uh, it normally takes an able-bodied person two weeks. It took me the full two months that I had to to get it. Um, I was put through a lot of tests generally from the MSA being like, you know, can, can you get up and down and in and out of cars? And, um, you know, are you going to be a danger to, you know, the rest of the grid and 
you can see you've got a squint and does that affect you and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, and then I started my first season and, and then the BBC followed me for my first documentary. So the pressure was massive and, and it just, it just snowballed and it got to a point where I, um, you know, a lot of people were making their judgments about me, um, being Lewis's brother and having all the funding in the world. And, and that's the reason why I was there and stuff. And, um, you know, then I went to 2012, which was my second season, um, in Cleo's and, I went from right at the back of the grid in 2011, you know, struggling, even though it was just my first year to you know, qualifying top six on a grid of, you know, 24 drivers that had been driving for 10, 15 years before me. Um, so I knew I sort of had what it takes. I just don't have the, the foundation and the nurture that I needed. Um, it was very last minute for me, but last minute, but then straight away, I'm in, um, under the spotlight <clears throat> so it was really difficult um and then after 2012 my dad decided that the only way for me to continue to race was to if i was to do it myself so i had no funding or help from him and all of the sponsors that were helping lewis pretty much in formula one they all let me go at the end of 2012 so why I, <laughs> you ask me, I don't know, you tell me. Um, what did that uh, them to, to sort of help you find your own way? Is it possible your dad told them to? Uh, no, I, I don't know, because I, I knew nothing about sponsors at that time. I knew nothing about sponsors. All I wanted to do was race my car. So I, I, I didn't think about the money that was involved in it and what, what it actually took to get me there. I just drove. But I didn't, I didn't. I didn't, um, I didn't waste it. Like I appreciated it. Mm. Um, I didn't understand the, the sponsor side of things. So, you know, I had really, really good sponsors, Vodafone and Reebok and Tag Heuer and, and they're all sponsors of Lewis's. But, uh, so then after 2012, I went from, you know, feeling like I was a racing driver for two years to absolutely nothing. And, uh, it was like, well, what now, what do I do? And how do I get on the grid, um, myself without, the help of my dad and everything like that. Um, and it just goes back to my dad could have helped me in so many ways in my condition in helping me, but he decided not to. And I don't know whether that's, that, I don't know what that is, but it, it's, it's made me who I am today. So it's, it's given me strength. Um, so it's such a long answer now, obviously about touring cars, but, <laughs> but it is a big story to, to why now, to why I then went to touring cars and, um, and it was because I was struggling to um, struggling to, to get back on the grid. And the only way to do that was to be in the limelight and the biggest championship in the UK and um, to, to, to create my own brand in my own right. And I wanted to do that through touring cars. So um, I, I raised, I actually like really honest I only raised like a little bit of the budget and then I I actually all of my own savings that I'd saved up for years and years I put into touring cars myself um for that and uh <laughs> and yeah and I only did four rounds I only did four rounds in 215 um and then yeah then I didn't do anything in 16 17 I went back to Clio's and I was just struggling just struggling generally to to raise this this these this money to, to go motorsport racing, which is what I felt like I was put on the planet to do because 
using my motorsport would help inspire people moving forward, but also help me strengthen my condition. Um, and so I knew I had to do it. Um, and then you've got all these people in the world saying that uh, I'm only there because my brother helps me, <laughs> but he oh. wouldn't realise. So it's, so it's, it's a difficult scenario. Um, and then, yeah, I made a decision to get back into touring cars and I finally, I finally did that through the support of, of Rocket um, being my, my title sponsor and, and you know, pretty much saving, saving my career. And, um, you know, I did that through, through meeting, meeting them um, and, and, yeah, I just put an email together and, and just was honest and they, they loved me and, and fortunately they continued to like me and, and, and here we are today and I'm in my second year of touring cars. Um, yeah, new team, new car, um, but the same goal. Um, and yeah, hopefully, eventually I'll, I'll get to where I want to be, which is at least stand on the podium of a touring car championship race, um, which I believe I can do, which is going to take a bit of time. So you were confirmed in, in February of this year. Um, again, as you say, um, for the fourth team hard drive driver. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I suppose you have no idea when you're actually going to get to go racing. What is yeah. the, were it not for coronavirus, what would the schedule have been? Um, so we would have already been one round in. Um, so it would have been on my birthday first round, which was 28th of March. Happy birthday, uh, by the way. Yeah, no worries. I was, thank you. I was so excited to actually race on my birthday because it's the first time. Oh, um, and you spent yeah. it in isolation instead. <laughs> I spent it in isolation, believe it or not. <laughs> um, so, um, so, yeah, it was, on, um, it was on my birthday. And then the second round would have been this weekend coming um, at Brands Indy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everything's, everything's put on hold at the moment. Um, but... You know, it's, it's all for it's all for the right reasons, and um, you know, there's a lot of people that are in worse situations and scenarios as we are. So, um, you know, I'm 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 just glad to have been able to put it all together to to be racing again. Um, I just want to make sure that uh, I sort of make the most of it this year. Um, but British Touring Car Championship so tough, so difficult. Um, so many good drivers on the grid, and the cars are so close. But it is important to to be in the right equipment and um, you know, you look at Team Hard, and they're not necessarily renowned to be a, a quick car. Um, but I have a lot of belief in them as a team. I think they have a lot of um, uh, potential to 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 really grow and be a, a top team, and and that's why I you know agreed to to sign with them this year. Um, I have very loyal partners, um, and and. I believe I'm an honest individual. So if I remain honest and, um, and decent, hopefully people will treat me the same um, and help me on my journey to, to achieve what I want to achieve. Um, but yeah, I mean, without my motorsport, <clears throat> my condition wouldn't be as strong as it is today. And I don't think my mentality wouldn't be as strong as it is today. So um, that's why my motorsport means so, so much to me because it gives me a reason to get up in the morning. Um, if I sort of didn't really have that, I, I really didn't know what I'd focus on. Mm. That's fantastic. I tell you what, it, your parents have clearly made decisions that go against a parent's instinct, but <laughs> have shaped you in such an incredible way. I mean, 
Yeah, this is I the mean, thing. It, it would have been so much easier, really, to always I pick you up when you fell, to always just give you the handouts that you needed, to, to not prove to you that um, getting sponsorship and sustaining a motorsport career is bloody hard. But mm-hmm. because, you know, your brother is a six-time world champion and it's, you know, yeah. it, it hasn't come easily to him. He's yeah, worked exactly bloody that. hard for it, hasn't yeah, he? Exactly that. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, kudos to my parents. You know, I went through periods of time in my life being like, wow, they're really making things difficult. But, yeah. you know, if they, if they didn't do things in a certain way, honestly, it, it wouldn't have, have, have worked so, so well for me. You know, just to the general stuff of, you know, I live in my apartment completely independent, you know, and I can carry a knife and walk around with it and they're not worried about me falling over and stabbing myself and all that stuff, you know, just carrying a bowl of cereal and without spilling it you know just the 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 everyday stuff you struggle with the condition um they didn't put all this into me um you know i wouldn't be as independent as i am so that's that's Mm -hmm. i guess what they what they plan to do and hopefully i've you know making them proud in in what they've what they've created yeah god absolutely in the pink and bows really want to help during this lockdown Now, whether we can or not is another question, but we can try and we're going to do that by giving away some more Bose noise cancelling headphones. To win them, just share mini anecdotes from your time in lockdown and give us some feedback on this series. Always put in the hashtag Bose and tag in a couple of mates to do the same and you never know those headphones could be yours. Good luck. Stay safe and stay connected and in terms of how much time you're able to spend with Lewis now obviously um he he doesn't live on your doorstep anymore doesn't live in the same house as you anymore but um you do sometimes come to races I know we haven't had any yet this season but um just describe how you do support each other because it's definitely um it goes both ways doesn't it oh for sure and and you know with with um with with relationships with family it you know you it always ebbs and flows. You can get things that you agree with, things you don't agree with, things you fall out on, things you don't fall out on. And um, me and Lewis, especially in our situation where we can't really hang out that often, um, it's important that we are on the same sort of wavelength, but realize that it's okay to have uh, differing opinions. And, um, you know, he's very supportive in... um, in me and, and what I want to, to achieve and what I want to do. Um, sometimes it's difficult for him to see it, um, but he's, you know, understands it more and more as time goes on. And, um, you know, with me, I, with regards to Lewis, I'm his biggest fan. Um, he has thousands and millions of fans across the world, but no one is as big a fan of him as I am. Um, and if anybody wants to challenge me, then I'll take them on on that one. Um, but um, but yeah, he, he. I don't think he realizes, you know, how much he means to me. He's. I'm so 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 proud proud of him, um, and you know, to to see where he's come from, um, you know, from being just a, a poor black kid, um, with actually not not much going for him, um, to 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 now be, you know, known as one of the most influential um sporting athletes not just in the uk but 
in the world um, means so so much to me that he's been able to achieve that and I still can't believe that he's doing that <laughs> because you know who who are we who are we to to have this sort of um, effect on people you know we're just a, a general normal normal family and remember the days of you know carters and kids wearing michael schumacher helmets and whenever you asked a kid down the road and said you know do you want to what do you want to do when you're older and they say you want to be the next michael schumacher we were like oh yeah it's cool but now it's i want to be the next lewis hamilton and you see helmets of lewis you know going around the circuits and it's just you know different kids just being involved in in motorsport and now different colors and creeds involved in motorsport and I purely feel that it's down to to Lewis's um, impact on the sport, um, and everybody knows Lewis that he you know wears his heart on his sleeve, and that he you know went through a, a period of time where he would say stuff that made mistakes, and and you know some people liked, some people hated, and whatever. But he's now become a very um, grounded individual, um, to where he's very respectful with all the decisions he makes and um yeah i'm honestly so so proud of him and i can't believe that he's going for his seventh world title um you know we would have just been grateful just to get one you know, especially in that 2008 uh brazil finale um one would have been enough but the bloody bug has gone and done six <laughs> which is incredible um so yeah, I'm so, I'm so I'm so proud of him, and I, you know I could could talk about him forever because my life is evolved around him, um, but not through a um, a hateful, um, not through hateful eyes, just pure, um, uh, pure proud proud proudness. Proudness isn't a word, but for pride. me, pure pride, pride, um, from pure pride. So, so yeah. Do you ever feel frustrated when he gets unduly criticised? because I feel that sometimes he's a bit misunderstood and he does a hell of a lot behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about, which he could shout from the rooftops about, but he doesn't. Um, I think that, I think there's, as you say, millions of fans all around the world, but I think he should be knighted. I know that we're biased because <laughs> we're in Formula One, but uh, his, his list of achievements is astonishing. And sometimes I feel that he gets pigeonholed and criticised unfairly. Would you agree with that? Uh, I'm a true, true believer in everybody's open to or free to have their opinion and their own say. You know, because if everybody thought the same thing, the world would be boring. Um, you're always going to, you know, to, to get people that always want to pull you down a couple of pegs. Um, and that is... Sometimes it could be true and you, you can applaud them for that. And then other areas or reasons could be just purely, um, you know, unjust and, and not really deserved. Um, you know, and I, I get just the same, you know, so going into touring cars, for example, I need to sign for a team and people have a go at me for it. So it's just the way the world is. Um, and, I think it doesn't actually matter how successful you are or not. People are always going to try and um, uh, pull you down if they feel that they need to. Um, so Lewis or 
with Lewis, you know, he only needs to stay true to himself. And um, he has, he knows he's not done everything perfect and, and it's impossible to do that because no one is perfect. Um, and especially in his, um, his world, you know, everything he does as soon as he walks out of the front door, you know, he can be criticized for it. Um, mm. But he's, he's learned how to deal with that and um, he's uh, become very strong in knowing what is right and what is wrong. Um, and um, I, I trust him so much and believe him so much with what he does or believe in him so much in what he does that I, I'm not worried about it. And if people want to you know, put him down about certain things, and that's their choice. Um, we just know who we are. And deep down, I know who he is. And all these guys that, um, you know, want to spring negativity on us and the Hamilton family as a whole. Um, my answer is, well, they don't know where we've come from to, to be where we are today. So that's all we need to keep in ourselves and be proud of ourselves. And we're not actually doing it for anybody else, but ourselves, to be fair. Um, Lewis is racing for himself um, and he wanted to make achievements and he wanted to, to uh, you know, focus on his goal and he wasn't expecting the, the fame from it. Mm. And I guess you're right, it does come with the territory, unfortunately. There's that level of scrutiny and it's just a shame. I mean, I suppose you just always have to remind yourself it's a projection of, of others when they when they get critical. Um, back to you. Um, where now for you? And as you say, you have come a long way. Um, whether you and your brother meant to or not, you are both role models in your different ways, and that's incredible. Um, and as you say, <clears throat> um you you've had a lot of adversity um along the way so so what is next for you and um, what are your goals if we're doing another podcast in a year's time what do you want to be talking about uh in a year's time um <clears throat> well my, my first my first port call was always to have a sustainable um motorsport career was my my thing um i really believe i have um what it takes to um you know to be running you know, in, in the good positions and getting good results within British Touring Cars. And you know, I did that last year from, from uh, my first race at Brands Hatch. You know, I <clears throat> hadn't driven the car in the wet, for example, before. And I had a, a goal of being in the top, t- top 20 out of 30. We know it's so hard to even get in the top 20 in Touring Cars. And I qualified top rookie and I went from 20th to 11th in the first couple of, couple of corners. And I was in the mix. Um, and and that belief for me um, has never has never deteriorated. So my first port call is to to have a, a a sustainable career in motorsport and in touring cars. And year after year after year, if I can keep staying in the championship, I'll only get stronger and stronger, um, and get to a point where I I do stand on the podium. Actually, at the moment, I don't care what position that is. I think it would be hilarious the fact that I wouldn't actually be able to get up on the podium, and that I would have to. Um, ask for a helping hand from the guy that I'd just beaten to get up there or something. Um, but and that uh, but is that the moment be... I want to see. <laughs> yeah, just oh, sorry, bud. Do you mind just helping me up to the top step? That'd be really, really helpful because I actually can't get up there. Um, but, um, but yeah, so that's my first protocol. Um, and so my life completely revolves around my motorsport. Um, 
at the same time i do i do a lot of public speaking so i you know speak for different companies and you know try and uh people say i'm inspirational i just i i just i just do me it's it's do what i do and and um i never plan to be inspirational or don't necessarily feel like i am i just i'm just me and i just tell my story and actually enjoy telling it um because no one tells it better than myself and um I'm sort of proud of what I've achieved, but yeah, I mean, in terms of my motorsport career, there's so much more I want to do and I don't feel like I've achieved nowhere near enough and pretty much haven't achieved a lot. I would say that's me being critical about myself, but um, a lot in my motorsport career. So I want to really now um, continue to, to develop myself um, so that this time next year, when we do have a podcast, I can tell you that I had some decent results and um and that I'm signed for the year after and the year after that. And now I've got something to, to focus on because um, I'll only get stronger. What about esports? You could take part in this championship that's running at the moment. You'd be <laughs> one, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, I did, I did actually, I actually did the, um, the virtual, uh, the first round of the virtual esports in, uh, in Bahrain. Yeah. And, uh, and that was fun. That was fun. It was just a bit of a, a bit carnage. Um, and, that, and that's the thing. Herbert's fault, wasn't it, that it became carnage? Yeah, he he uh, he cut the whole first corner, so he went from like back of the grid to P one. Um, but good for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, esports is obviously, especially at a time like this, is 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 really picking up. Um, and the guys that are on it, you know, they're very very good. They're very good. Like, and in some cases, it's like harder than driving in real life, um, <laughs> because it, it's it's not one hundred percent um realistic and so your mindset changes a little bit you know so johnny herbert wouldn't have been cutting the chicane and when he was back in his four one days um but you can get away with it in in a game because there's no fear factor um attached to it um or any financial problems or anything that could you know if you make a mistake or take the guy out next to you um there's so much at risk in real life um but you know it's a it's a it's a great um, way to keep everybody sane within motorsport who is in quarantine right now. Um, and, uh, and yes, yeah, so I, I never, never say no to it. Well, look, Nick, you enjoy telling your story. I've certainly enjoyed listening to it. Thank you uh, so much for your time. You're a legend. Uh, no worries. Did you, did you learn any more, anything more than, than obviously we've known each other for a while. Yeah, I learned loads more, but I just think I've, I don't know, I just get a greater sense of who you are as a person. You just speak so openly and honestly, it's lovely to hear. And, and, I, and I love sort of imagining and piecing together your childhood and the influence your parents and Lewis have been on you, which is phenomenal because, as you say, you are as you are because of all of that. Yeah, and my, my last thing is probably my brother ne- never let me win anything. So, um, <laughs> yeah, if it was a running race or anything like that, he would always pretend that I was getting close to beating him, but then he would beat me at the end always. Um, so it, it was always, you know, Nick, you need to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep striving, keep pushing, keep striving. And, um, and yeah, it's just built up into my mentality to, to, uh, to continue doing what I'm doing. So that's why I never give up. Amazing. Well, you are an inspiration, whether you mean to be or not. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. Now, if I'm completely honest, it's a story that I thought I already knew, but it wasn't until I heard him put it into his own words that I think I fully appreciated and respected all that he's gone through 
and continues to go through in pursuit of his dream. And it's interesting because it gives context to Lewis's achievements as well. It gives a kind of framework of understanding as to all the sacrifices the Hamilton family have had to make over the years and the decisions, often hard ones, that they've taken in order to fully realise that dream as a family. So, um, yeah, fantastic stuff and um, a brilliant insight into the world according to Hamilton. And uh, we've got another Formula One friend coming up later this week, a guy called Matt Bishop, who may not be a household name, but he's certainly someone that has been right at the centre of all things Formula One for many, many years. And he now works for the W Series. He's got some great anecdotes to share with you on In The Pink. So that is coming later this week. Don't forget, you can still win those Bose noise cancelling headphones which quite frankly we can all do with at the moment so just give us uh, a bit of an insight into your life under lockdown and um, with the hashtag bows and you could be winning those headphones but for now thank you so much for your company it's been great to have you and we'll speak again soon stay home stay safe and stay connected the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.